Amen. We're starting a new series tonight called The People of Light. And are we a people worth becoming? That's kind of the theme for the next several uh, Sunday nights at our, in our prayer emphasis on Sunday nights. The people of light. Are we becoming a people worth becoming? You know, in a sophisticated society years ago, uh, they would say, that's very unbecoming, dear sir. You know, they would say something like that. What does that mean? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever used that word before, unbecoming? Uh, we, not, we don't really say it too much. I haven't heard our teenagers say that word too much. I'm not sure they even know what it means. But unbecoming, what does it mean? It means it's beneath you, right? That's very beneath your status. And actually, I looked it up. The word unbecoming means it's not flattering. So men, never tell your wife that dress is unbecoming. That's not flattering. It means it's unattractive, unfitting, unbefitting. But here's the definition I like. It means not according with the standard appropriate to one's position. It's not, a, it's not appropriate to the standard of your position. And I want to talk over these next several weeks about what's not appropriate according to our position in Jesus Christ. Because uh, we know as believers, our position is, is in the light and our standard is Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 says, For you are all children or sons of light, children or sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So we have a standard and we have a position. All right, our position is the light and our standard is Christ. That's the measure. And so when we come to Christ, that position has changed. And so tonight we're going to talk about uh, are we becoming or are we unbecoming? All right, are we becoming or are we unbecoming? Uh, I think about John 9, 5, when Jesus says he was in the world he was the light of the world. But then before leaving, he comes to the church and he says, but now you are the light of the world. You're not a people who should be hidden and that you should let your light shine before all men. You do those good works that men may glorify your father in heaven. Matthew five fourteen. And so now the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us shine like Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit, uh, the fruitfulness of the Holy Spirit is infused in the new Christian life, the born-again life, uh, the living in the Spirit kind of life. And through the infusion and the, uh, the filling and the refilling of the Holy Spirit, even the pruning, there is this fruitfulness that abounds. And Galatians tells us through Paul, you know, that those things that come out of us are going to be like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and the like, Right? And I don't think that was a, a full-on list. I think he was just giving us some examples. But he's basically saying this. If you're in Christ, you should shine like Christ. And if you're in Christ, you should act like Christ. If you're in Christ, you should look like Christ. And, and so on. But so many times, we look at the outer things in America, especially like church attendance uh, and, you know, speaking in tongues or our giving record or, you know, our Sunday school attendance record and all that kind of stuff, our baptism certificate. We look at all those things, which are all good. But which is harder, going to church every week or turning the other cheek, right? Which is harder, going to church every week or being patient with those ignorant people in your life? Come on. Now, you can loosen up, all right? It's Sunday night, right? It's true, right? It's so hard to keep your tongue when somebody's just acting foolish, all right, in your life. And I think the biggest challenge of the Christian life is demonstrating the character of Christ. That's, what, that's my opinion. 
I grew up in a Pentecostal background, a Spirit-filled background. And let me tell you, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the infilling of the Spirit. I believe in the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit. And oftentimes, that's where we stay. But for us at Sanctuary, I want we emphasize that there is a place beyond it. We don't want to just stay there, but we want to get to the mature things, press on to the fuller things. And then for me, the hardest times is even in your marriage or your home or with your kids or with your relatives is biting your tongue sometimes. Those times when it really matters that you shine like Christ, that's not at church, that's not speaking in tongues, that's not going on an outreach or a missions trip. It's those, one, those, those everyday moments, are we shining? Are we becoming a people worth becoming? Do people who know us deeply, most intimately, our closest family and friends, do they look at our character and say, I want something that person's got. How are they always that way? How are they always acting? They, look, they look like Jesus so much to me. And I believe if we become, become, start becoming a people like that, the world's just going to draw in because they're going to see Jesus in us. Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about in these next several weeks. So we're going to talk about good things and bad things that are, hip, are prohibiting us from shining and how do we shine better. So tonight, get ready. We're going to step on every toe in the, in, the, in the building, mine included, okay? So you can just cross your feet, you know, put a book over them or something. Because tonight, our first, uh, our first topic of the evening, we're going to talk about gossip, all right? And uh, it's going to be okay. You're going to survive the evening, all right? Just bear with me, okay? Uh, there was a church bulletin. Uh, one article listed this church bulletin. Uh, and the sermon topic for the, for the evening was gossip. And immediately following, the worship leader led, I love to tell the story, you know, <laughs> that kind of fits, right? So what is, what is gossip? What is, because I think sometimes we're, we're confused. It's like, well, this is true. I, we want to just clear the air, okay, and see what the Bible says. Sometimes we call it hearsay. Uh, we call it airing dirty laundry. We call it small talk. We call it spilling the beans, right? You heard that one before. Uh, we might say, I heard it through the grapevine, right, like the little... California Raisins used to sing all the time. Many of you who are too young for that, maybe. But uh, uh, some people say it's just jibber-jabber, yakety-yak, blabbing, murmuring, or some might say it's being a busybody, right? Anything else you can think of. Uh, those are some things we call, call it for gossip. But gossip is defined as this, a rumor, a report of an intimate nature, uh, a, and then a gossip, a person, is a person who habitually reveals personal or sensational facts about another. So if you've got notes tonight, I encourage you to take some notes. I'm going to give you some things and tips on this. But that's gossip. Everybody likes a little gossip now and then. Think about it. We've got whole magazines for gossip, whole magazines and TV shows for celebrity gossip. All of our daytime TV drama and everything around revolves around who's dating who and how and what. And then they have a little spat, and then they're talking about the spat with so-and-so. That's what just feeds American entertainment. Have you noticed this? It's all gossip. You know, there's a popular TV show about a guy and a bunch of ladies who want to date this guy and marry him. I'm not going to mention it online what the name of that show is, but it's all about gossip. It's all about what she said behind the scenes and who's dating her and he really kissed her and nobody knows. And this is American entertainment is all based on this one word, gossip. All right, so let me give you some types of gossip. Are you ready? You're taking notes. Number one, this is the first type of gossip we can think about in Scripture. 
and it's called the shared secret. The shared secret. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, "A gossip goes around telling secrets." So gossip in this one, this first part is gossip is telling uh, other people's business. First Timothy five thirteen, and it's betraying confidence. Proverbs eleven thirteen. So sharing shared secrets. So we might say something like this. Miss George, I can't tell you the whole thing, but I, 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 one thing I can tell you about this little thing that happened the other day. You know, I can't tell you the whole thing, but I'll tell you this one thing. You know what I'm talking about? People come up that and tell you, I can't tell you everything, but I'll, I can tell you this, right? Uh, so that's a shared secret. I can just tell you this one part, all right? It's still betraying confidence. Uh, so that's number one, the shared secret. Number two is complaining. Complaining can be gossip. James 5, 9 says, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. Uh, that would be something like, Miss Evelyn, you cannot believe what so-and-so did to me. Now, that might be something that's personal. You might think, well, that's my friend. But what's happening there is I'm spreading that offense to someone. So I may not intend harm, but now I've put the offense on someone else. So here's what happens, and here's why we shouldn't do that in, in this sense. So if, if Miss Georgia offends me, and I go over and I tell, Miss Evelyn, you'll never believe what Miss Georgia said to me and did to me, blah, 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 blah. And I just made me so mad. I just need to tell you that and get that off my chest. Well, that's cool. You know, we think that. Whatever. But here's the problem. Well, a week goes by and Miss Georgia and I reconcile, become friends again. Well, guess what? Miss Evelyn is going to be still mad at Georgia for what she did for me. And she doesn't get to be in on the reconciliation that we have. And now we're closer friends than ever because two friends had uh, enmity and now we reconciled. So now we're back together. But I've spread the offense to Miss Evelyn now. And she never gets to reconcile because it wasn't her offense to begin with. Does that make sense? So now that's how gossip, it spreads offense. And so by complaining to someone else about what someone else did to me, it begins to spread the offense. It's called grumbling. So that's the second type of gossip. Number three, the third type of gossip is called rumors. Everybody loves a good rumor, you know. Uh, Proverbs 18.8, it says, The words of a gossip, I love this verse, are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost part. You know what that means? That words of gossip are like a juicy steak, some filet mignon that goes down to the deepest parts and makes you feel mm, good. Our flesh enjoys rumors, right? And if you ever notice, gossip is often this carefully crafted story with this climax at the right part. And it's like real life never happens that way. But that is so too good to be true. Man, that's good. some, some good stories. So they're enticing uh, they're juicy, they're desirable. In Psalms 41, verse 6, David said he experienced some gossip this way. He said, in the New Living, he said, They visit me as if they're my friends, but all the while they're gathering gossip, and when they leave, they spread it everywhere. He wrote a whole psalm about it. Or you'll, we'll go to people, or people will come to us, and you'll say, You'll never believe what I just heard. Right? Okay, y'all looking at me like this never happens to you at all. You never believe what I just heard. It's almost too good to be true uh, when you hear that kind of stuff. It's almost never confirmed as true either, all right? Uh, but you listen anyway, and by listening, what happens? We often, someone will ask us a question about it, and then we'll begin to tell. Or here's another way you can go on with rumors. is not only that people are telling you about it, or you could go around and say, hey, did you hear anything about so-and-so? Is that true? 
that's also spreading gossip because, no, I didn't hear about that. So tell me, what'd you hear? And it kind of goes even further. So again, the story gets bigger and better before. Uh, If you've ever played that game like Telephone, right? We've got a a game like Gestures and Telephone. It just goes and goes and goes. And by the end of it, it's totally different than before. As a pastor, I experienced this so much in the 10 years of ministry. Uh, You'll say something to one person or one family will get mad or whatever, and things will happen. And by the time it gets back around to me, it's like I called them the devil or something and kicked them out of church. And you're like, how did that get from there to there, right? Or you've got family the same way, you know? So-and-so at Christmas last year did this, and you're like, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I was at Christmas last year, right? So how many people know what I'm talking about? Okay, a few of you. Very good. All right. So there's shared secret. There's complaining. There's rumors. Then there's the preface or the clause, if you will, all right? Um, for instance, one sign read this. He said, uh, it isn't the people who tell all they know that cause most of the trouble. It's the ones who tell more, right? (laughs) It's not the people who tell all they know. It's the ones who tell more. Uh, You know, one of the words for gossip means busybody. comes from 2 Thessalonians 3.11. It means busybody. Or another one can mean to meddle in other people's business. Uh, So this uh, preface would be kind of like this. It would be, uh, you know, this may not be true, but I heard... Something, 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 right? And so you, you start off, or they'll start off uh, with this clause of, you know, I, this may be gossip. I've even had people say that. This might be gossip, but then go on to tell me what it is. Uh, and, and it's, come on, you guys can laugh at it because we all are guilty. We're all going to be, be guilty before God for it. We're all going to get forgiven by the end of the night, okay? Here, we're going to go together, all right? Okay, it's all right. You're going to survive, I promise. So, it's funny, though, don't you think, when we admit it's gossip before we even say it, or that person even does it to us? I don't know if this is true or not, but, but you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, James 14 tells us that anybody who knows what is good and doesn't do it, that's a sin, right? So it's like I'm setting myself up already by sharing it that way. And then the next one is innuendos, all right? Innuendos. Uh, so another word for gossip can be whisperer, all right? Whisperer, Romans 1.30. Uh, it's like giving those subtle insinuations that can mislead something uh, in somebody else, okay? It kinda, I'm kind of setting it up, and then it might move on from there. I didn't gossip, but it might get the ball rolling. Like, for instance, have you ever wondered why he always goes out of town on Fridays when his wife is gone and nobody... Isn't that kind of weird? You know, like you, but I'm not gossiping because I don't know anything. But have you ever thought about that such and such is always blah, 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 blah? That's innuendos. That's called gossip, all right? It's not true. You don't know it's true. There's no factual information about it. But it starts the questioning of maybe and what if, okay? That's called an innuendo. And 2 Timothy 2.16 says this way. It says, avoid worthless and foolish talk. That only leads to more godless behavior, all right? There's nothing profitable in innuendos and whispering, all right? And the last one and the worst one is this. It's called slander. You know this word. Proverbs 26.20 says, Quarrels disappear when gossip stops. If you've ever had a lot of quarreling in your family or extended family, it's likely that there's some slandering of gossip going on. And slander is more than complaining of what we said a while ago. Slander, another word for slander is backbiting or defamation. 
But in the Bible, it's often translated too as malicious gossip. It means to basically throw something at someone, like we throw tomatoes at people, you know, on, on comedy routines you don't like. Slander is the same way. It's throwing something at someone. It's purposefully meant to damage their character. And often this happens when people are mad, about, mad at one another, so they start uh, defa- uh, uh, defamation. And we even have things called defamation lawsuits in America because slander is so, I mean, watch the news. Slander is everywhere. Right? That's just what the media is made out of. Slander, that's how we make millions of dollars in America is off of slander. You know the word slander has a root word? It means accuser. And you know what that word is also translated to? Devil. Ooh, that hurts. Right there. So, because remember, the Bible says, and the accuser of our brethren. Right? The slanderer of God's people. That's what that would mean. And so the devil is called the slanderer. The accuser. And so when we begin to see this type of behavior, and let me tell you, church, it's very important for us to distance ourselves sometimes from the things we see going on in the world because the world is full of slander. The world slanders authority. The world slanders the church. The world slanders one another. It's full of it. And so as a church, we want to be light in the dark and dying world. And so that's what we're coming out of the darkness. And Psalms 101 verse 5 says this, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. Slander is a grave sin in God's eyes. So what's the result of all of this, all right? Gossip, three things that gossip does. So that was the types of gossip. This is the results of gossip. Uh, The results of gossip is number one, it destroys. Bible says in Proverbs, gossip causes anger. It causes division. It says it increases quarreling, quarreling like oil being poured on a fire. It increases the quarreling in a community, all right? It often uh, destroys families and churches and makes reconciliation impossible, just like I explained a while ago. It spreads the offense, and so now it's gotten so big, the offense is with so many other people, it's better that I just leave because there's so many problems. So that's number one. It destroys. Gossip destroys a community. It destroys a marriage. It destroys a family. It destroys a church. Number one is destroy. Number two, it corrupts. Uh, the, the Bible actually says it this way in Proverbs 17:4 that wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip and liars pay close attention to slander. So put that in the context of this. Gossip not only attracts uh, wrongdoing and wrongdoers and liars, it says that gossip, a gossip, a person who is a gossip, who has that habitual sin of gossiping. Now, we all may gossip, we all experience gossip, we all hear gossip, but there is sometimes we have a, a tendency, if, if that's our weak area, we have a tendency sometimes to gossip. It means that you will probably attract liars and slanderers around you, wrongdoers around you. But not only that, if there's good people around you, often if we're not going to be the light that we're supposed to be, we begin to transform that poor, poor person or corrupt that person and so here's the note. Know your company. Be a friend of sinners without being a sinner, right? We want to be light in the darkness, but we've got to remember we're the ones shining, not them on us, right? So it can corrupt you. Number three, it can disqualify you. Proverbs 25.10 says you will permanently lose your reputation through gossip. You can permanently lose your reputation in your community through gossip. Paul even warned Titus and Timothy. He says... Don't elect anyone who's a deacon or a deaconess. Some might say that it was a a deacon and his wife. Don't elect who is a deacon or a deaconess or a wife of a deacon. 
that has a problem with gossip. Why? Because he knew what it would do in the leadership of the church. So even a, a spouse who has a spouse who gossips says that you'll get disqualified because of it. And Paul would tell Timothy, he says, hey, and even so in your community, there may be uh, young people who are not married, specifically young widows who had lost their husbands in the war uh, and now didn't have anything to do. And they were becoming busybodies, going from house to house, spreading idle talk, he says. He says that kind of behavior, if you find a person who uh, is doing that kind of behavior, he says that's going to disqualify them from receiving the church's financial assistance because it's destroying the community of faith. All right. And so Paul took a pretty hard stand on it. All right. So he says they encourage that person to be busy about the Lord's work instead of being busy about gossip. So God uh, looks at gossip and he says, I'm look, I'm, it destroys your family, your community. It corrupts one another. It disqualifies you for service in the Lord's house. Uh, and so he's looking for people who's going to serve his interests. And think about it this way. People are not going to ask you to pray for their sensitive needs. They're not going to ask you to serve on a leadership position. And the world is not going to come to you and say, hey, can you help me through this personal, really secret, horrible issue in my life? If they know you're going to spread it to all your coworkers or even your whole church, right? The world wants a person they can trust, and they have to see that in us and the way we act on a daily basis, right? So that's the results of gossip. So now what do we do, all right? That's what gossip is. That's the results of it. What do we do with it? What do we do with it? What happens uh, if I hear it? Or maybe I realize maybe I do have a problem with it, and it's okay. We're going to get honest with God tonight. How do I stop it? I'll give you seven really quick things. This is kind of a teaching tonight. Seven very quick things that we should do as people of light to respond to gossip. The opposite of gossip is truth, or a truth talker, or a truth uh, people of truth. So the first thing is, number one, see gossip as a sin. The Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue, so it's a sin. Gossip's a sin. We don't have to talk about that long. Two, ask the Spirit for help. You can't stop it on your own. James 3, 8 tells us that the tongue, while we can tame all the animals in the world, the tongue is the most unruly of all creatures. It's the, it's the worst of it, right? And we can't handle it. And so what does that mean? That's, so I ask the Spirit for help. So I see it as a sin, number one. Number two, I ask the Spirit for help, realizing that I can't tame my tongue. And number three, I begin, like Paul says in Romans 6, 13, he says, I'm going to present my whole body as an instrument of God to do what is right for His glory. My life has been an instrument for evil before, but now I'm giving myself completely to God. So number three, I'm presenting my tongue, my body to God. And number four is this, probably one of the more important ones is, live on purpose. The root, Paul said, of gossip was often not having anything to do. Now, we are some of the, so we think, the busiest people in the world, but yet gossip still abounds. So we're apparently not busy enough with God's things, right? And so Paul would say these people began to babble. One of the words for gossip was babbling. It was called empty or pointless talk that often was not completely factual, and it comes with too much free time, Paul argued in 1 Timothy 5. So the, the opposite, if you don't want to have room in your life for gossip, the point is stay busy doing the Lord's work or stay busy talking the Lord's talk. For instance, you think about, a, you ever seen or heard of this, that monks uh, back in the uh, medieval times, even some today, 
uh, Christian monks would fast speech. You never heard this before? They would go off in a monastery, and there are some monasteries around the world where there is no talking allowed. I know some people that would literally die because they would not be able to handle it. They would just, on the middle of dinner, they'd just explode and just start talking all kinds of stuff, right? Because they just couldn't handle being quiet for weeks on end, right? Just not able to say nothing, all right? But here's the deal. Sometimes it's okay to be quiet. It's okay not to have an opinion. It's okay not to say anything back. And so the idea of that was to ensure that everything that monk said was in control by the Spirit. And everything that they said had value. There's loose talk is just talking. It's like a, we call it motor mouthing in America, right? Just da 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 right? And we, we often say stuff before we think about what we say. But the Bible paints a different picture for the people of light. In Colossians 3.1, it talks about that we've been raised to new life, so we set our sights on the realities of heaven. We are thinking about heavenly things, not of things of the earth. So, ask myself, what am I often talking about, and why am I often saying it? Now, it's fun to talk about the weather and fishing and hunting and, and meat, like we often talk about in our men's ministry, right? It's cool to talk about random things of the world. But for a Christian... As a person of light, and when the world looks at us, do we talk about uplifting things? Do they hear us at work complaining about the Republicans or the Democrats or our family or our friends or our husband or our wife or our kids or so-and-so at work who's a coworker? Or do they hear us talking about, man, God is so good. You won't believe what he's done in my life. See the difference? They're looking for light in this world, and our job is to give it to them. So here's the question. Ask yourself. Am I talking on purpose? Uh, can Jesus fit into this conversation? So if this is a conversation that's kind of negative, the Lord really early on in my Christian walk convicted me strongly of negativity and sarcasm. And that's one of the things I get convicted about just being around people who are sarcastic. It just I feel that conviction come over me because I know that was my problem. That was one of the things I had a problem with. And so uh, I want to ask myself, is this uplifting? If the person who we're talking about right now was in this room, would I still be okay with it? And one, can I interject Jesus into this conversation at any moment and still feel okay, right? So again, end on a positive note even. All right, so that's number four, live on purpose, talk on purpose. Number five is keep confidence. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep confidence. So if I hear gossip... Guess what? If I hear rumors, if I hear chatter, if I hear yakety yak, whatever, uh, if I hear it, you know what it's going to do? Let it end with me. Okay, you heard it. Let it die. Let it stop right there. It doesn't have to go beyond me. If it's in an argument, if I hear about an argument, what do I do? I say, well, you really need to go talk to the person you have a problem with because I don't need to hear that. It had nothing to do with me. Go talk. And I do that sometimes in my office. Somebody will come. To, you really need to go talk to this person. You, that's, that's between you and them. So we point people back to the source. And we can practice little by little. If we have a problem with it, I challenge you to practice not telling things, even random things, little things that really have no bearing at all. But sometimes we have this problem that we have to tell everything, all right? So sometimes it's okay just not to say something that happened in your day. Just practice, start small. You know, uh, it's okay. Sometimes we don't, sometimes it's so enjoyable to tell a secret 
you're addicted to it, even in your, your head. You get the, the, the uh, dopamine off of it or whatever. You know, you, you kind of enjoy telling it, okay? You enjoy telling things. And so sometimes pick random things just to not tell anybody. That's just between you and God. You were there alone. You, had a, you saw a butterfly land on your boat and it spoke to you. I don't know, whatever. Just practice not saying something sometimes and let it grow, all right? Then you ask yourself, okay, do I need really to share this with this person? Why do I need to share this with this person? Why is it important that I tell this, this thing I heard to this person? Or ask the person who's talking to you, would the original person want me to hear this? And do I have any business knowing what, what you're about to tell me? All right? Because Proverbs twenty one twenty three says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. You'll stay out of trouble. Whew. Put that on the plaque in American, you know, in Washington, D.C., right there. Without your tongue, keep your mouth shut, you'll stay out of trouble. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Proverbs 21, 23. We should make t-shirts with that on it, right? Go to work with it. Keep your mouth shut, you'll stay out of trouble. You just say, hey, that was the Bible right there. That's what you tell your coworkers tomorrow. Hey, just keep your mouth shut, you'll stay out of trouble. That's what the Lord says. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so let's keep confidence. Number six, conceal offensives. Conceal offenses. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips separates friends. Conceal an offense. Realize I'm not the judge. Give grace and love. Realize, am I spreading the offense or am I having this unoffendable heart? Again, like we said, I'm, I'm not spreading unresolved offenses. I want the offense to stay with the people who can actually resolve it. If it is going beyond the people who can resolve it, it is called gossip. Someone comes to you and says, can I just talk to you about so-and-so? Can you help me get through this situation? Stop. It's gossip. It's not. You can't resolve the offense. That offense is between that person and that person. You're going to be no help, and God says, stay out of it. Woo! Hallelujah. I'm preaching now. Is this any of my business? Do I need to know? Have you gone to them directly? Those are some great questions to ask. Now, if they've gone to them directly, the Bible says, okay, they go to them directly, then they go see an elder of the church, and then they begin to reconcile. But otherwise, it is your job as a Christian to conceal offenses. Nobody wants their dirty laundry. Nobody wants their offenses out there for the whole world to know. Uh, It's not any of our business what anybody else has done. And so number seven is this last one is remove yourself. No when to hold them, no when to follow them, no when to walk away, no when to run. Right? I heard that somewhere. Proverbs 20.19 says, don't even associate with a gossip. Why? Because their friends are wrongdoers and liars, and you don't want to be known as a wrongdoer and a liar, even if you're not a gossip. Don't associate. Don't be friending a gossip, because if you keep listening to it, You'll be tempted to share it. And some friends we have to leave behind if they will not grow in Christ's image. We say, but Pastor, Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was, but he spoke the truth and gave them an opportunity to come follow me. And he, then if they didn't, he let them go. If your friend will not change, and you can't change them because you know you can't, but if they will not let Jesus change them, then sometimes you have to know when to shake the dust off your hands and your feet and go on. Let God deal with them because you can't fix them by listening. Ooh, that's good. You can't fix your family, your friends, by listening to their gossip. So remove yourself. And then you say, well, let me give you a side note, and then we're going to close. What if it's about me? 
Bible is very clear. Number one, forgive. You have to forgive. The offense is not on you. It's on God, and, and you're a child of God. You're forgiven under the blood, and that's between them and God. And so I forgive it. We move on, especially with sinners. The Bible says, turn the other cheek. The Bible even says Jesus was slandered, and he did not even open his mouth, not uttered a single word. So if Jesus can do it and go on the cross for you, you better learn how to keep your mouth shut too, because he did it for you first. Uh, and, and the two is reconcile. If it's between you and the church, Somebody in your church, the Bible says, go to them directly. If they sinned against you, go immediately before you even go to a worship service or prayer. Go straight to your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, reconcile. And if not, go to an elder. And lastly, the Bible says, bless them. Forgive them, reconcile, and bless. Never take revenge. It's the Lord's, he says. God is going to repay them. He says, if it's your enemy, hungry, feed them. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. Heap some burning coals of shame on their heads. That's what you do. Throw some Holy Ghost fire on their heads by blessing them and see what, the, by what God does. So, are we becoming a truthful people, a faithful people, a factual people, a certain people, reliable people, and a sometimes silent people? That's the difference between darkness and light. I believe God's just going to begin to prune us and take us deeper and deeper and deeper because I want us to be the people God wants us to be. And I want us to shine like Jesus shone. And so I think about Isaiah. I close with this. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When, when Isaiah sees the Lord, he sees the train of his robe filling the temple. What does he say? Woe is me. I am a man of what? Unclean lips. Right? He recognizes. And then what does God do? He has an angel, and they take the coal from the censer from the altar, and they apply it to his tongue. And God changes his unclean lips, which is natural to us all. We are all gossips. I'm just going to let you in on it. We're all gossip by listening, by speaking, by being around others. We're all gossips. We're all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have woe is us, unclean lips in the presence of God. But what we're asking God to do with us tonight is asking God, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, anoint my mouth. Let me be a mouthpiece for Jesus. Let me be a mouthpiece for your glory. No one to say yes. No one to say no. No one to say silent. No one to speak. And God, let me, those family members, those friends, those believers that have a problem with this gossip thing, let me begin to say the right words that, Father, pull out that uh, and speak light in that situation and turn those things around that God would get the glory, the community of faith, marriages, families begin to be united and healed. Amen?